Weepa team is proud to bring you Weepa Waves, the sound waves of your career. And the F words, the taboo stops here. Let's tackle the tough issues together. Hi, my name is Lindsay Rainwater. I am the founder and CEO of the Women in Fitness Association. We believe that storytelling has a magical way of connecting us all. We give a voice to tough topics and break down any fear of being alone. Weefa Waves is the podcast devoted to the sound waves of your career, giving voice to our global community. Please also enjoy our newest addition to our podcast family, F-Words. We highlight the taboo topics and feature words like fertility, finance, facelift, and fillers. We're going to break down any tough issues that we might face together. Enjoy today's episode of Weefa Waves and F-Words. Today on the Wefa Waves podcast, Morgan and I are so excited to be interviewing Katrina Pilkington. She is a global wellness educator that bridges the gap with equity, diversity, and inclusion through coaching as an adaptable champion for change. Her goal is to lead her community by example and relatability to shift the culture and wellness to be one of belonging and accessible means. She's a certified personal trainer, a fitness specialist, health and nutrition coach, group fitness instructor, wellness educator. She's also working towards her master in science degree in exercise science and health promotion to focus on the issues related to health equity. And she also holds holds a certificate in diversity and inclusion from Cornell University of South Florida and an associate's degree in graphic design just to name a few. This gal is a powerhouse. She is passionate about supporting the industry at large, and you've probably seen her, um, whether it's on the idea stage or other conferences, she definitely is well known, and we're so grateful to have her here today. Katrina, welcome to Weefa Waves podcast. Thanks. I mean, I'm brown, but I can still blush, so (laughs) thank you so much for that introduction. (laughs) I love it. Well, we would love to know a little bit more about your WIFA story. Um, You've just recently come on as a WIFA ambassador, and we're so grateful to have you in that role. How did you find WIFA? And tell us a little bit more about your journey so far as an ambassador. Sure. I, you know, especially doing the work that I do, I rely a lot on my circle of support um, in order to help find places and organizations and communities that are good to foster the work that I do. And so I learned of WIFA through some colleagues of mine and, you know, doing this work with equity, diversity, and inclusion, seeing that WIFA was making huge efforts to do those sorts of implementable practices within the different modes that they're in. I was all about jumping on board and trying to be involved for the greater good of uniting women um, and humans at a greater scale to do this work in the fitness industry. Mm, I'm so happy (laughs) that you did because we in order to create the groundswell that we're, we're working towards, it takes so many of us. And at the heart center of it, women being willing to commit to helping other women and that really breaking down that barrier around not competing and collaborating instead. So thank you for joining us on that Mm, stuff. 
Yes, thank you so much. It's been a joy for me to be able to um, collaborate with you on some different levels. So I look forward to continuing that. Also at WIFA, we believe in big picture informs daily action. So I would love for you to tell us what's your purpose and how does it inform your daily actions? Well, I tell people when they ask how I got into this work, I, that I started from my own lived experience. I grew up being the only, and typically am always the only, just because I come from a very unique, you know, socioeconomic background, racial background, ethnicity background, all of my intersectionalized identities. And I had a choice to make when I was younger of always thinking I was so starkly different or actually talking to different people and learning about their differences through dialogue and finding human connection and commonality. So that's the lens that I look at the world through when it comes to trying to unite humans together. And I think that that big picture definitely comes into play with me having a little one that watches me every single day and trying to be that mirror for her to see, okay, we see differences. We understand that we're different, but that what, that's what makes us beautiful. And the only way for us to be a collaborative group of humans is for us to find what's in common and learn from what's different in order to move the bar and make the world a more equitable place and right the wrongs that have been done to people from different dimensions. It's kind of like a, a combination of all of those things for me personally. I love that. Thank you for sharing. It is, you know... I definitely agree. There aren't as many differences as some people may think once you actually, if you give someone the opportunity to tell, you know, for them to share their life experience story, you know, someone that you might think is like has never walked a similar walk as you or whatever that might look like. And then you actually hear from someone you're like, oh, wow, we're not that different. And if more people were willing to have those conversations. Um, I think that the world would be a better place. So thank you for doing the work that you do because you're working towards making the world a better place for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And also when we think about, you know, we dive into DEI topics or EDI topics or whatever acronym people want to use, really the only way for somebody who is not of a marginalized underrepresented group to understand what somebody is going through is to have empathy. And empathy doesn't just happen. If anybody understands emotional intelligence, that's kind of like the last step through walking that path of continuous care. So building a connection, finding commonality helps build empathy and then helps somebody actually help with actionable change. So it's kind of like a necessary step to take to get to that place Mm. we want to be. Mm. Katrina, do you remember being a young one because you have a, a daughter who's um, going to be five soon. Do you remember being young and even approaching your first job, even as you were in your adolescence, having that perspective, has that been something that's been with you for your whole life? Oh yeah. I tell her all the time that she should get a job, but she's not five yet. So um, for me, I grew up very low income. You know, I don't want to say poor because there was many people who had less than I did, but you know, as soon as I was able to work, my parents were like, you're getting a job. And I had to go to work. And when I worked, my money was my money. And so I've always looked at work and, and, you know, providing as a way to kind of put out in the world and get back and create this cycle. So my first job was working at a local grocery store. And I started off being a bagger. I think I was like 15, almost 16. Um, and so I had to start my way from the bottom at that company. And that's always been something I've done now. At every single company is learning to start from the bottom, not just from a 
a career life cycle standpoint, but to understand what that job looks like at every level. So that whenever I were to get to a place of, I guess you can say leadership, management, whatever, I stayed humble. I understand what everybody did. And I wasn't too good, for lack of a better term, to do everything else that included the work in that organization. That's uh, I'm the that particular role, like bagging mm-hmm. groceries, um, bussing tables at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a, for me, it was. Yeah, for me, the the first job was I was a hostess and a busser at, at the Ch- at Chili's restaurant, and it was yeah. that capacity to really be in service of people. I mm-hmm. think is a mission critical yeah. skill set for us all to learn, and then just to see the world. Yeah. Right, you get such a diverse. Depending on where you're working and what neighborhood mm-hmm. you're in, you get such a diverse experience of meeting so many different people mm-hmm. and learning to talk to so many different people. Right. Uh, hard, like such good skills. Yeah, like that's skills. funny. I was a hostess at Applebee's too. So it was in the yes. same shopping plaza and I would bounce between the two. And I had to learn that just because I didn't make a mess didn't mean I didn't have to clean a mess, that's which right. translates into a lot of things. <laughs> oh yeah. Scrubbing the toilets, all yeah. the things. Yeah. <laughs> well, moving more into, um, your later career and what you're doing right now too. Are there some like one to three career highlights that you have? Sure. I mean, I think like the first thing for me would be taking what I've talked about in like smaller circles and being able to branch out and speak about that at global conferences. It's been a a huge thing that I'm extremely proud of because I try to look at things with the bridge building perspective and being able to do that has been, you know, very, very helpful for me to be an educator, but from a bridge building standpoint, um, I'm also six classes away from finishing my graduate's degree. So, you know, being somebody who not to put out my age, but, you know, I did just turn 40 and being able to do that while juggling a kid and juggling work at the same time shows me that there's, there's nothing I can't do. Um, I create my capacity, so I get to choose what bandwidth I have with that. But, you know, thirdly is being super excited to start a new senior level uh, management position, doing diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging at Barry's Boot Camp, which was such a welcome surprise for me in the last month that I'm super excited to take kind of what I've been doing and do it within an organization and see it through different levels, see it through different you know, life cycles and be able to be more intimately involved because I've done consulting work, which I'm not ungrateful for, but, you know, having six months, eight months, a year with organizations, some of which really didn't want to do the full scope of work um, was something that I was ready to kind of close the book on to start with a different family. Well, congratulations on that role. Um, Thank you. So they varies. You are very lucky to have her. Um, <laughs> and I, I can empathize. I've done a lot of consulting and there's just, there's an element of inside outside that happens mm-hmm. uh, with being in inside the organization versus external. And there's value to both, but there's right. something. So being able to see a project through in the way that you'll be able to at Barry's right. is a magical experience. Awesome. Thank you. And I think that knowing the organization, which is why I decided to go into the hat for the position and seeing how much work they've done already, 
let me know that I was even myself as a practitioner able to be a thousand percent authentically me, you know, you know, be a good person, but not give any Fs at the same time, as far as what I have to say to help move the needle and do the right work Mm -hmm. so that we can make a more inclusive fitness industry, because there's still a lot of things that diet culture and old habits have done within the, you know, fitness facility standpoint. And I think we have a lot of work to do there. I completely agree. There's a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's a great segue into, you know, you've done consulting work with a lot of organizations on their DEI initiatives or EDI, depending on their acronym choice. Is there, are there some fundamentals that you mm-hmm. wish organizations um, started with or something yeah. maybe you start with that you could share with the audience? Sure. I mean, whether you're a solopreneur or someone who is part of a large organization, I think that I always talk about intent and impact. You know, you could have the greatest well-meaning intentions, but the impact of what you do could either be detrimental or positive to the, you know, perspective of what people see your organization or business doing. And I know that in 2020, many organizations made these lofty grand statements and again, great intentions. However, much of it was kind of mixed up in the capitalist side of the business versus looking inward. So I think that most organizations, they want to do external facing education, external facing events or panels, or whatever the case may be. But if they're not doing the work in-house with key stakeholders, decision makers, and leaders within the organization, first and foremost, and doing so quietly without sharing on social, let's be real, um, you know, the work really isn't authentic. It's not going to make incremental change. It's going to fizzle out. And then the people are going to be asking now what? And until that's done, there's really not the ability to move the needle forward if it's not coming from a good place from those who actually can make the decisions. Mm-hmm. And Morgan, I want to ask one following question for that real quick, which is, so with organizations that are doing work, do you have any advice around the balance of the public facing, letting people know whether it's on your homepage or a DEI, you know, landing page. When you go to a brand, I know something I look for now is, is their DEI efforts publicly? Like, are you committed to doing something? And then there's the flip side of that where it's all over social and they're overly communicating what they're up to from a place of maybe not as genuine Do you have any advice for folks on how they can present themselves in that way so that people are clear that this isn't something they're committed to, but that they're not over there, you know, waving a flag all the time? Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's what I call it. I think it's a matter of blending it all together. So working with someone like myself, you know, I was extremely happy that Barry's is doing this in-house, which is unheard of in the fitness industry. That means that the CEO of the organization is investing and putting, for lack of a better term, putting their money where the mouth is to actually move the needle. So whether it's a consultant or somebody working in-house, doing the work internally then helps that person or that team help create the language for those pages or for those external facing content pieces. But at the same time, you know, the things that I've seen that seem kind of icky or triggering are the ones that are like, you know, we've done this, we've said this, we're going to do this. It's not really, what are you going, what have you done? Sure. If you want to do like a a temperature check and tell your brand or your customers what you're doing, show them how much money have you invested back into your employee base who is marginalized? 
How many people have you brought in that you've actually not just hired, but looked at their pay to make sure it's equitable and that they can authentically belong in the organization? You know, how much have the decision makers done to make sure that the work is actually being done in a way that's starting with them and then looking outward? And then how are the voices being compensated and also being included in the mission of the overall brand? That's kind of the statements I'd rather see versus here's what we want to do. And then. And there being like six months, 12 months that go by and did it really happen internally or was it, you know, hopes and dreams? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate the advice. This is a lot of free wisdom people that you're getting here. So so take it, take it in. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, there's a lot of performative things in, in every industry. And, and I think one thing that you said that I wanted to highlight, especially like if we're in the health and wellness space, if we think about our bodies, like we ha- if, if we're living, like if cancer is living inside of us, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how good we look on the outside. Right. We're still, you know, slowly and everyone is slowly dying anyway, and not to get like too morbid there, but you have to do the work from the inside and you have to make sure that like your organs are taken care of and all of those things are taken care of in order for you to live out a fruitful life Mm -hmm. externally as well. So I think if more people thought about it, like if you want to just take it down to the very basics of Mm -hmm. that, it's like, Oh, um, and I think people know that and they just want to look the other way sometimes, but, um, I, I do like using that example. So, um, speaking of continuing about the fitness industry, is there anything that you are seeing, um, that you are feeling, you know, a little bit inspired or just happy to see that, um, things are moving in a certain way? You know, it's baby steps. I mean, I always have to tell myself, Katrina, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like it's one step at a time, but what, what I think 2020 did to everyone was like took the veil off a little bit of the, I mean, it's not completely fixed. I still see all the like shiny, happy things, but uh, we had to keep it real. I mean, all of us were doing meetings still are in our homes and having kids running around, you know, having our hair messy or just being us and being comfortable to where I think fitness and wellness and health has been more of a necessity than like this trendy, cute thing. You know, and again, I'm not speaking perfectly because I still see the trendy and cute online, but, you know, I think people are understanding that, okay, fitness is something that brings people together. It forms communities. It actually moves the needle with our health, not just internally, mentally too. I mean, we have to keep moving in order to feel better, especially when stressful, chaotic moments are happening all over the world, including a pandemic and wartime. It's just you know, there's a way for us to look at it as not being something that's just going to get us in a cute outfit. It's actually going to get us to a place of feeling wholesome and whole and building connectivity between one another for all this greater purpose stuff we're looking to do. So I think that the needle is kind of being moved in that place and mm-hmm. hopefully we don't forget what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully there's some lifestyle changes baked in right. as a result. And I, I, I realize it's been a tumultuous and horrible time period for a lot of folks. I I personally also applaud and 
am excited about a lot of the positive change that came with it. The, Mm -hmm. the acceptance of seeing a little one on camera, the, like, I do not miss the amount of makeup that I used to wear Mm -hmm. every day or feel like I had to, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of my suit jackets are dusty. Like literally there's dust on my suit jackets. Um, heels are not being worn. No, like my body's really happy, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's, there's certain aspects of, and don't get me wrong. I love a solid outfit, Mm -hmm. love. And there's something really liberating about that. Not being a component. It it just, it clears my mind for so much more creative work and contribution to be able to focus on what matters and also, um, kind of level the playing field of, especially from a masculine feminine standpoint of like, why was I doing that? He shows right. up with like nothing on his face. So right. why am I right. so worried? Anyway, that's yeah. a whole nother rabbit hole. So let's talk about specifically you and something that you might want to share with our audience that you're either working on that you're excited about. And you've got this really cool, big change coming with berries. <laughs> Anything else that you want to share with Wefa that you're up to? Well, I'm, I'm just really excited to continue the work that I've been doing in the larger scale with that organization. Um, I'm excited that Barry's knows that I'm doing this podcast that I can continue to share kind of those tidbits of information with our fitness industry. I think that it's important for people to have had like a bit of a baseline last year. And we kind of said, okay, this is what bias is. And this is what, you know, supremacy means. And this is what racism is. And we gave people kind of the beginning stepping stones to the work that a lot of us have been doing for a long time. And now it's time to okay, take all that and not to say don't read books and all those different types of things. I know that my colleague Dynasty likes to say this a lot, like stop reading the books and do the action work. So mm-hmm. seeing people, instructors, trainers, business leaders really take the information and all those things that they've learned and actually implement them in fitness businesses, in classes, in scenarios, being flexible with their pricing, being equitable with their practices, creating, you know, a lineage of career progression for people in-house and helping people who are marginalized get to these different places in their career and also their life to be healthier, to be happier, and just try to get that equity to the place it should be um, so that we're not this shiny, inaccessible, um, you know, industry, but more so one that actually cares about I talk a lot. I'm actually going to do a post today about social determinants of health. That's what we should care about, not what looks good and what's a trend that's only temporary. How do we get people truly healthy, especially Mm -hmm. the people that need to be healthy who haven't been able to be from an Mm -hmm. epigenetic, et cetera, level? It's our job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the simplicity of ACEs, like getting people moving their, their Mm -hmm. slogan. Yeah. And then working with them too. (laughs) Yes. Are you now, do you get to continue doing those things once you are? Yeah. I'm still working with ACE because ACE is at a great accrediting um, organization. And I was really thrilled to work alongside with them to create their taking action with ACE, their EDI course for, um, you know, practitioners, professionals, and I'll be doing a live webinar in a couple of weeks with them about how to take those next steps. Kind of, okay, now, you know, like I said, what bias is, how do you assess your circle of influence? What, what, you surround yourself and who you surround yourself with, you know, how do you change your language? How do you work on adjusting the things you say and breaking those routines? So I am excited to still continue in this industry because, you know, the fitness industry and fitness in and of itself got me to this place of happiness with my mental health and also my physical health to even have my daughter. So I am grateful to be a part of it and be this 
person with this nuanced view of what it looks like to be equitable and inclusive in this mm-hmm. interesting, interesting industry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm just over here nodding my head like it's a bobblehead. You can hear the nods. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you could hear the nods, they're there. Just like a lot, just mic drop on that last one. You know, you just, it's, I appreciate everything that you shared with um, our audience. And um, we love to end these podcasts with some fun rapid fire questions. So we'll throw some fun questions at you and just- okay whatever comes to mind first, say it. (laughs) And and yeah, I appreciate it. Fingers crossed. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Lindsay, you want to start us off? Yes. Okay. So depending on if you're a TV watcher or a movie watcher or not, do you have a show you're streaming right now that you're loving? Uh, well, I told y'all earlier before it was recorded that I'm watching Catfish because I'm trying to keep it real on social media, but that's my favorite show that I just watched, which made me watch Catfish was clickbait. Mm. Okay. Um, has been telling me about it. Just knowing the work that Netflix has done in house with their diversity and their content. It's, you have to just watch it. It's amazing. Yeah. Clickbait. Okay. Is it scary? No. <laughs> okay. No. It's just about the realisticness of what can happen online and, you know, keeping it realistic in real life to understand that what can happen with misconstruction in the internet. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm watching it. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite word? Oh my goodness. I don't know. Sushi, dinner, I mean, anything associated with, <laughs> like, I'm going to have lunch after this. Anything associated with me having a meal. <laughs> I love <Good> that. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Is there a, a wellness or beauty thing that you do every day that you just revel in? Like, you just love it. I make my own sugar strum. Um, my neighbors make me make it for them now, but I just use... My best friend and I, we did this during COVID. We would, what are we going to do at home? We're going to make sugar scrubs. We use brown sugar, uh, jojoba, almond oils, and coconut oil. And it it makes you not have to use any kind of lotion. It's great for exfoliating. Oh, that sounds yeah. amazing. It's super easy. It's just you make it to where you want it to be. It's not complicated at all. Okay. I love it. <laughs> uh, last question. What is either your favorite place to travel to or where, since we haven't been able to travel and not looking like we're going to be traveling a ton anytime soon, but where is something that you are like, when we can, I want to go here. Goodness. It's hard. My favorite place to travel to on a regular basis is New York city. So I do miss New York city domestically. I have not done a ton of international travel. So that's what I love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, when and if we're permissed. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, what is it about New York City that lights you up? I, you know, I said like I love food, so there's all kinds of different food. I've stayed in a different part of the city every single time I've stayed there, and I've been able to just do so much in that little pocket area. There's, it's so much that I couldn't imagine living there and not getting to see it. So I'd rather go and visit as a tourist and get to enjoy it, the culture, yeah. the people, you know. 
Mm. Yeah. 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 New York is also one of my favorite places. I like, I always thought, I was like, I'm going to live in New York for like a year. I just want to live there for like one year because I don't think I could handle it, but it's just, yeah. So vibrant. And, uh, yes, the food incredible. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I think I could live there cause I would be so busy. I couldn't enjoy myself. So right. I can go and visit. It's magical. Well, Katrina, can you tell the audience a little bit more about where to find you? So after this episode, they can stay in touch. Sure. Sure. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. I try to use LinkedIn a lot professionally. You can just search me by my name. Um, Katrina Pilkington on there. And then on Instagram, I am Fitty with an F as in Frank, I-T-T-Y, Kat, K-A-T underscore. So you just search Fitty Cat or my name on Instagram. I'm, I don't post a bunch anymore. I just hang out in stories and have healthy boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and your time with the Weefa Waves audience. Thanks for the work you do in the world. And until next time, we will see you soon. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Start at the beginning. Start with you. Weefa lead. Leadership through elevation, awareness, and discovery. In a nutshell, it's 13 weeks plus you, a partner, and a community going on an intensely supported personal deep dive into who we are, why we're here, and how we are going to make the biggest impact possible. Sound big? It's a completely transformational program that we recommend for everyone, no matter the age, experience, or background. Join us for the next edition of the Weefa Lead program.